Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell, and today I have a very special lady with me, Lisa Houseworth, and she is really special. So she is a CEO and the Chief of Vision Officer at Aurelia Technologies, and holy smokes, do I have a ball of questions to dive into, but first, I just want to get it started. How's your morning so far that Lisa? Oh, I'm having a great morning. And and actually, before we start, Apollonia, I'd just like to thank you for inviting me to speak. But also, I love what you're doing. And I love that you bring your whole self to this audience. Uh, I've listened to a few of your podcasts over the last few weeks. And uh, it's awesome to hear about your children, your newborn, and a, being a busy mom with a toddler and a thriving business and, you know, the awards that you've won. So uh, I just want to ask, how's your family doing? How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. As you know, as your mom as well, I am tired. I have... <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. It's funny. Some people, yeah, like uh, people say, how, you know, how's, how's your night or how was the day? And I'm like, I, this morning, last night was rough. She was up. Goldie is her name. My yes. four month old. She was up at 3am this morning, would not go back to sleep. And I wake up, I go to the gym at 545. So I, oh. there was no, I've been up since three is the answer. <laughs> wow. so, yeah, I honestly, I really admire you because, I mean, being in Canada, um, when I had my children, I was able to take a year off um, maternity leave for each of them. Mm. And oh now I was gosh, running a business awesome. at that time. But honestly, I I really admire women who, you know, can get up every day and show up to work and still show up at home. And, uh, you know, so good for you. Oh gosh, thank you so much. As you know, it's just it's always a it's always a balance and a juggle and I definitely feel not perfect at it and I'm just trying to get through. But that's what I'm interested about your story too is that you know, before kids, I should say, I just you know, I, I of course I admired women women that worked and I I guess you don't know until you're there, right? Until you're actually balancing a family, until you're actually trying to, I like how you worded that when you're showing up at home and you're showing up at work and just this balance. I feel like oftentimes guys don't get asked as much. How are you? How are you a dad and working? I don't yeah. feel like I hear that question. Like, wow, how do you do it? It's usually like women are like, how are you a mom and you're working yeah. and the transportation yeah. when they're older, like just all the things. So tell me about your family. I'm so, I am fascinated about your story and how did you even get into this line of work? How did you even get into safety? And also, I have to say, Lisa, everyone is fe was featured on the Canadian Occupational Safety Magazine's Top Woman in Safety, Women in Safety for 2021. I mean, 
<laughs> Whoa, that's just, ah, uh, it's so inspirational. So tell me about your story. How'd you get into it? Well, I've done a lot of thinking about that. A lot of people ask me, you know, how did I get here? And um, really, you know, it, 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 you have to look back at the dots like that connected you to get here. And, and funny, like it, my story is a bit similar to yours. I think you um, had indicated that you in grade three, you had um, a friend whose, whose dad didn't make it home. Uh, yes. For me, I was in grade 11, and it was actually one of my friends who didn't make it home. Um, he was touring, just touring, just visiting for the day at the local pulp and paper plant, which is also where my, my dad worked. Wow. And kind of the mainstay for this small town on the east coast of Canada. And uh, that day, they experienced a massive explosion, and five people died. And um, the explosion was as a result of a chemical explosion. It, an acid was accidentally mixed with a uh, base. And the resulting explosion, you know, powered through two walls and instantly killed two workers. Uh, but there were three workers who were in the facility. They were up upstairs in the facility and on their way down, they breathed in the toxic gas that was released in the explosion. And so they, they were initially sent to the local hospital. And my mom happened to be working the gift shop that day. And she was talking to my friend and she said, like, he seemed totally fine. Oh um, my but of gosh. course, he wasn't fine. His, his lungs were, you know, burning. And a few hours later, he was dead and the other two people were dead. And so oh when you when you experience a loss like that at a young age and it's visceral, it's like it really makes you intuitive about the things that, you know, the unseen things that that can harm you, like ele electricity and chemicals. And so it's kind of funny that I, I went into chemical engineering um, but from day one, I was very much aware and had a huge amount of respect for the chemicals that we were working with, the equipment that we were designing to carry those chemicals. And um, yeah, it was a, just a huge need for me to be passionate about making sure that we were overseeing the health and safety of colleagues and, and the folks who were working with these chemicals. Oh, my goodness. And was it the same... First of all, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. It's something that'll mark you forever, clearly. And did it, were you mentioning that it was, was it a friend too? That it was that your friend's father who was in that incident and. No, it was my friend. It was my it friend. It was actually your friend. Yeah. Oh, at a young age. Oh, he was only 20 years old and he was touring the facility that day as a potential work you know, place to work. He was, oh, he was just in the wrong, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, he wasn't even a worker there. Yeah, it was horrible. Oh, and he was just one of these people that was, he was well known by the community, great hockey player, you know. Oh really, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sad. It was oh. a tough, a tough loss to the community. And, and, you know, the, uh, one of the other workers as well was from my small village, 
Um, he had three children left, a, you know, his wife. Uh, and so she's part of our church. She was part of our church growing up. So it was really, it was really there all the time. Like, yes, was, was kind of felt on a, on a continual basis. Yes. And for a long time, I feel like that's what, I feel like that's what stuck with me the, the most, um, was seeing the aftermath. There was the the time and the, the moment, the funeral, the emotions, the, those intense initial feelings, but little did I know it was the aftermath was yeah. what was going to rock my world. Because I mean, you just, you know, still to this day, it's, it's still a family who lost their father in the yes. accident. And just, you know, I hear what you're saying there. The, I mean, he was a kid and the, the, the kids and also the other gentleman who was, who was lost in the incident, his children. And I just, and we're a big hockey family too. My parent, my, my little brother plays hockey a lot. And, uh, that's my, that's my family's world. So, oh my gosh. Well, I just, so that brings you to this, to, I mean, that doesn't bring you to today, but certainly that, that got it started in your mind that got safety on your mind and your radar. So you went to, you went to school and specialized, you said in chemical engineering, right? Yes. So then what part of the program really drove you into safety? How did it go? How did it go from there to a safety career? So I, you know, I graduated from the University of Waterloo and uh, went on to work in refining. So I worked uh, in a refinery for a couple of years. And of course, it's just, you're surrounded, right? Refineries are pretty dangerous places to work. I think you're familiar with those as well. Um, There's chemicals all around you. There are, you know, things that can really go wrong. So you, you just have a, a ton of training and a constant awareness of, you know, some, some, um, facilities are painted. So if the paint changes color, you, you know, you need to run <laughs> things like that, right? You're hyper aware of all the potential things that can go wrong. So it's, it was ingrained in everyone. The safety culture in that in that those refineries was ingrained in everyone. And then I went on um, to work with uh, Dupont, and they of course have a huge safety culture. Um, they I was a contractor with them. They're a very generous company. They send you on all kinds of training, whatever you, you need to mm-hmm. the tools that you need to do your job. Um, you know. I, I had whatever I needed and they have a chief safety officer. They had at that time a chief safety officer. Um, so safety again, permeated in every part of the, of the work of the facilities. And so you just, you know, I already had a passion for it and it was honed in over 23 years of just getting more and more skills um, more and more ability to be involved with process safety analysis. You know, yeah. we were on big teams initially, and initially I was p- participating, and then I led many um, teams with process safety analysis. And what I saw over and over again was I, I really wondered how people safely manage chemicals because I saw 
how the large companies that I'd been involved with, you know, had put so much energy and resources into managing chemical safety. And Mm -hmm. I knew that small organizations probably didn't have those resources. And so I started as uh, technology started to evolve. A lot of my work was very repetitive. So I wondered, you know, there must be a way to build software, to build this knowledge into software so that you don't have to have, you know, really uh, hire a real expensive, you know, expert. You can get the software can help to lead you through to the right conclusions kind of thing. So when I started asking around um, uh, small organizations, yeah, they they don't have the resources and really they don't manage chemical safety at all. And so that's when I left and uh, we started building software. We started to try to build our expertise into the software so that people could then use the software and be nudged kind of along in the right path. If you think about like chemicals and we think about that risk triangle that you yeah. usually th- see in safety, right? You're, you get your near misses and then you get your medical case and your accidents and your deaths. And the theory is that if you reduce your near misses, um, then obviously you lower the opportunity to have something catastrophic happen. But in chemicals, if you can't see them. Yeah. How do you identify your near misses? Yeah. So we help people do that with data. So we we pull the data out of your HASCOM sheets, or for us it's uh, women's sheets, and organize that into, um, you know, categories like what are your urgent hazards that typical safety programs don't uh, cover? What are your occupational disease hazards? And we put that at the fingertips for the, for the employer. And once you know what the data tells you, now you can start to see, okay, I, I didn't realize we were using that fatal if inhaled chemical. Maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll change, find a safer solution or eliminate it. Um, um, so that, you know, that doesn't become a medical case or it doesn't become uh, a catastrophic failure. Right? Oh my gosh. I think I, oh my gosh, so many things are running through my mind. I'll, I'll start from the beginning. One, I'll go back to, do you feel that through your career and with your early start with the experience that you had with this fatality that just hit such close to home in your community. Do you feel like going through your classes and your training and your schooling that you had a different lens on safety and your, your whole, I, I could only imagine you, you know, starting out in this career and, and, you have this burning passion. Maybe it wasn't as intense as it was today. Maybe it was, but you have this burning passion and your colleagues that maybe are getting into safety, they, they were there for safety, but it was just a different reason for Mm -hmm. you. Did you ever feel that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some, you know, just even working with some colleagues and I would think, well, you know, we're working with carcinogens here. Um, 
we need to be really cautious <laughs> about this. And I felt like everybody wasn't on the same page. And, for you know, it took me a long time to actually understand why that was. Um, yeah. But it, for me, it was it's it was visceral. Like, I, you know, it's tangible when something yeah. like that happens early in your life. For if, yeah. if you don't have that experience early in your life, it's just like, oh, yeah, that that might happen. Cancer's everywhere, you know, um, that's yeah. not going to happen to me, right? Yeah, and I could see that on the employee side of the comp of the the employees that you're working alongside with, but then also even um, fellow colleagues in the safety department or people that are you know in the same career path as you as far as safety. But I feel like when I felt like when I started, there were people interested in safety and there were safety professionals, but they were more they were more compliance based. They were more and compliance is important and process is extremely important, but there was the whole people side of things that no one could take that experience away from you that you felt. I mean, you saw the emotions on the gentleman with the three kids. You saw his wife at your church and the, the kid, his parents, like it, it, I feel like you've always had it. You probably have always had a people approach above all when it came to safety. And I feel like a lot of safety professionals, they don't get it quite yet. I don't know if you ever, if you ever felt that. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and, and, um, and that's in the safety profession, when you're looking for safety leaders, I think, um, it is really important to look for those people who who do have a passion for it. You know, to quote Simon Sinek, he says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, if your yeah. passion, if your passion comes from a place of really caring for whatever reason, maybe, you know, you, you've experienced um violence or you've experienced your you, your backgrounds in ergonomics or whatever it is, right? Whatever your passion is, if you have that passion, that's a great place to start in a safety leader. Yeah. But then, you know, but then you have to give the, uh, the safety leader tools. I I mean, I've heard uh, safety leaders uh, referred to as superheroes and, um, and I really don't like that term because I, that puts a lot on yeah. people's plates, right? You put, put a lot of obligation on people's plates. Um, really, I think of safety leaders as coaches mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you need the right tools and either a coach or, or like an orchestra conductor, right? You need, you're just directing people. You're getting them the tools that they need and the knowledge that they need. Um, but you're, it's a discussion. You're, you're the kind of the conduit, the, the safety leaders kind of the conduit between, you know, the safety performance of the company and the leaders, right? What do, what do the members, what do the workers need to work safe? What knowledge do they need? What tools do they need? How do we see things that we can't see with our eyes? You know, how do we get that data that we need to make good decisions and decisions that make sense from a safety perspective? 
And I have never heard that perspective uh, worded the way you just framed that up. And I loved it was that you're right. People oftentimes I, I, I hear it and I see it all the time too. Safety will take care of it. They're, they're, they're those super, they're those super uh, humans or those, they're the superhero. You figure it out. Hey, we have an incident. Oh, take care of this, please. And make sure everything works out for us. Make sure that production keeps rolling. And, and you're right. Is that it, safety cannot just be a part of the safety department's roles and responsibilities. And, and I know you've worked from with amazing companies that did have a great safety culture. And you've probably seen a lot of companies that were complete opposite, but seeing them both, I'm sure you saw that the, the thriving companies, they all embrace safety. It wasn't just on, it wasn't just the safety person's responsibility. And I like how you talked to the stress that a safety manager, a safety professional has on their backs because they're thinking, all right, if an incident happens, it's on me. If we have a bad record, it's on me. If we're doing great, it's on me, but I have the pressure to, to, to keep it going. And how do I do that with uh, hundreds of employees? How do I do that with thousands of employees? Yeah. And technology, I, uh, we're so sync because I just feel like early, early in my career, I, I knew the same thing that, that you were picking up on that you picked up on was that technology is a must. <laughs> There's only so much a safety professional can do with it. Even, even a small, medium sized company, where does that data go? How can we get proactive instead of reactive? And I feel like that's your philosophy. That's what your software allows companies to do is to stay in that proactive zone. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. Yes. How do you see what, what chemicals can cause cancer in your um, organization, what reproductive toxins you have, have those discussions with people, make sure that you're protecting uh, those people from harm. I mean, today uh, we have like 7,500 people die each day around the world just from going to work and 6,500 of those die from occupational disease. I mean, that's shocking. That is shocking. That is so shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And and higher numbers in in the you know in the Western world because we actually are using lots of sophisticated chemicals for for all kinds of different reasons. Um, So it's not just exposure to chemicals, but exposure to chemicals is a big part of it. And it's something that we, again, we can't see with often our bodies are not um, able to either taste or smell or or see what's in the air, right? At levels that can harm us. So we have to be able to have that data in order to prevent those um, exposures, you have to have the data to see that you're, it, it's a potential and make Absolutely. sure that you're protecting people. What about what inspires you today? I mean, this is a huge mission in life to you know, really to dedicate um, 
you know, a big, a big chunk of your life to making sure trying to bring workers home safely and in the same condition that they left their families that morning, their homes that morning. And so what personally inspires you today? What do you love to do? There's, you know, under the safety umbrella, I think there's safety process creation, there's training, there's the coaching, the mentoring, the one-on-one with employees. There's so much. What do you personally love doing now? Well, I, I love doing things like this. I mean, I think it's amazing that you are democratizing safety, um, that you're, you're, you're making it so easy for everybody to access the information, um, to learn in such a simple way. And, and COVID has really pushed us along on that. Um, and I love to when, you know, talking with our clients, when they come back and say, wow, we didn't realize we had, you know, all these uh, hazards. And maybe it's a, a college, right? And yeah. we've eliminated 300 products from our campus. Thank you. And I, that always brings me to tears. Like, I just think, oh, wow, <laughs> that, you know, that we were able to inspire that um, is so such an amazing thing. And, um, and we've worked with like policymakers, um, like Health Canada, where we're able to pull some data together for them for decision to help them with their decision making. And wow, that's just, that's amazing, because you're not the thing about software that's so powerful is that you can mentor people not only today and not only in your organization, yeah. but you can pass along your expertise to people in the future, um, people outside your organization. And that's pretty that's pretty sweet. Like that's pretty motivating. <laughs> it's oh pretty- my gosh. It's life changing. Yeah. It really is the software, the technology, the purpose behind it all is actually life changing. And I feel like with a mission so big on your heart and a um, with such a big purpose, it you know, I'm sure not every day is perfect, but I mean, no. gosh, just <laughs> to, to keep driving and moving forward with the cause that big. I always yeah. feel like that. I feel like the purpose needs to be big to get people motivated and excited and, you know, willing to get behind something. And that's exactly what your company's up to. That's exactly what you're a part of. And so I have a question. Um, I know, so you've seen, you've worked with some huge, um, huge companies, not just these, not just the small ones, but what have you seen? What have you seen work with safety culture and getting people motivated? So when it comes to, when it comes to safety, so one of my philosophies, if you haven't heard it in the podcast is that I just, I feel like there's not a safety culture and I'm so guilty of talking about safety culture, safety culture. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and sometimes I'll, that'll come out of my mouth. But when I really think about it, I think that companies just have a culture that it's a culture of excellence or it's a culture of no accountability. Like what, Mm -hmm. what is it? I don't feel like there's an accounting culture and an operations culture and a safety culture. I think companies just have a brand. They just have things that they tolerate and what's allowed, what's accepted, what risk is accepted there. And so, um, with the companies that Mm -hmm. have really seemed to get it. 
what are those key things that those companies have that you can maybe share with listeners that are like, I'm working at, you know, maybe a mom and pop shop or we're working with a, you know, a few hundred employees and I'm just having hard with the buy-in. What do excellent companies do? What's it look and feel like to walk inside one of those buildings and talk with their team? Well, I think you're right on the money with culture. I mean, culture is just what we call the characteristics that our organizations use to enable people to you know, achieve their goals. And one of, uh, one of your previous speakers talked about Maslow's theory of needs. Um, and yes. so, so I'd like to just give you an, an, an analogy of a sports team because that's what most people can relate to, right? So, um, you know, a sports team wants to achieve success, right? The success and they want to win their games. They want to win the championship, whatever. But in order to do that, you have to attract great talent, right? right? And so to attract that great talent, you need to have a certain number of things in place in your in your organization. And, and it's no different in a business. Um, the first thing is that, you know, you need to pay them reasonably well. And that gets to that bottom layer in Maslow's theory of needs where you, your players, you don't want them worried about, you know, uh, feeding their families and keeping housing their families and themselves and keeping them safe. And then the next thing you need to do is have the proper equipment, right, for for your uh, people to to play or work safely. So whatever that equipment is, you'll, you'll often see sports teams have the best of it. They have the best of it because they know if their players get hurt, they're out of the game and they're not contributing to the goal, right? So the yes. physical safety, huge. And then the next thing is psychological safety, right? That team, can I trust my team? Can I trust my player to be there when I make this amazing pass? Um, you have to build, the coach has to build that into their team. They have to be able to talk about things and feel, bring their, their, whole, their whole selves to work. Um, yes. so that, you yes. know, if, if they're worried about their wife who's just had a baby, um, it's hard for them to bring their, their whole selves to work. And maybe they, you know, they're, they need to be able to take time off. So feeling safe to talk about things like that and then giving them the tools. So, you know, we know that sports teams have the best, you know, um, um, uh, psychological sports therapy and all kinds of things just, to program uh, something that they could even get involved with inside the organiz organization and keep them learning and growing is kind of yeah. what I hear you saying. Well, yes, that and also like the right encouragement, right? So if your coach is always just saying, you know, telling you all the bad things that you're doing, you don't know what the right thing is. So you, you so if, but if you're getting that direction from your coach and saying, yeah, this was really good. I more of this and that worked really well and that worked really well. And yeah, you can give some constructive feedback. Um, but if, but if what you're mostly getting is positive feedback, now you're, you feel confident and now you, you go out there and you do your job. The thing that yeah. you you know, that nobody else can do as well as you, right? You're part of that yeah. team. You have the confidence. And business is the same thing. Um, you know, when you work with, in, a, in a company where you have safety is so important from the top, 
you know that it's integrated in every part of that business. And it yeah. needs to be for, for that, for the human needs, right? Feeling safe is actually a need before you can, um, reach that self-actualization or do, or be the best that you can be. Oh so. my gosh. I would love, I, that is something that I'm going to be listening to over again on this podcast. I'm going to go back and listen to this and take some notes because I think you said that beautifully. And I think that I, that message is so needed to be heard right now while there's this employee shortage, as there's this labor shortage and everyone is wondering, how can I take it? How can I take the business to the next level? How can I be a part, you know, if you're a part of the safety community, you're the safety director is how do I help go to the next level? And mm -hmm. everything that you listed there is something that we all need to note and really take seriously because you might think, oh, I'm just the safety department. What can, how, you know, how can I really contribute towards the overall health of the organization? And you just heard it, everyone from Lisa right here, is that safety is a key need that employees need, not just want but they need it to feel secure, feel safe, to thrive in an organization. And when everyone is on that same wavelength of health, safety, security, and they're getting all their needs met that you have in return, hopefully a longer retention at the organization. Exactly. And then you all as a group, as a community inside that company, go to the next level and achieve greatness. Yes. So that is huge. Yeah. Oh my God. Gosh, like I retaining those those employees right is key. Yeah. You put a huge amount of energy into training your employees, and you want them yep. to stay. Yeah, right? yeah. And sometimes Absolutely. it's not money. That we saw that during COVID, right? Yeah. We did. You're exactly right. I think this this message is golden. This is key. Is this an episode I'm going to be re-listening to because that is phenomenal advice and it applies to every single one of us, whether you're an owner, supervisor in safety, um, within the company, no matter who you are, this is great advice to take it to your company. So I just looked at the time and I can't believe I am close to, to ending with you. I've taken up all your time and I want to respect the time frame that you've given me today. So I just want to end it on, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners that are you know, passionate about safety, like you and I, they, they maybe, um, they're just in that, maybe just in that rut, maybe just needs, you know, a little piece of inspiration. Is there any, you know, any advice you'd give any safety professionals right now? I would say you must be exhausted. I, you know, I feel that you're exhausted. COVID has, um, has been on your doorstep, banging on your door over and over and over again. Um, but take heart in all of the great things also that COVID brought. Um, you know, there's some really, uh, great tools. The fact that you and I can speak today would really not easily have happened pre-COVID. 
and 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 there are tools software tools that that you can look to to help you make your lighten your load make your load easier make your sharing um, within your company easier i think covid has brought safety um, to the forefront for many companies and help them understand that it is necessary it is a need and so that has you know, created a foundation from which you can build going forward once you rest, <laughs> take oh, some time right. to rest and, and regenerate um, and then hopefully build, build on going forward. You know, what I just, what I just heard there is everyone, Lisa knows her audience. You spoke straight to my soul. Oh my gosh. As a safety professional, you, you just, you spoke to my heart there. And I know many other listeners are feeling exactly the picture that you just painted, that they are climbing out of a hole with COVID. They're looking at, you know, we're still dealing with the after effects. How do we build a culture? How do we get people motivated, excited? How do I, how do I um, improve our overall safety program in this new workforce that we're working with? Yeah. And I can't chant this message enough. It's 2022. Let's invest in some software. Let's yes. invest in some technology that can make our lives easier. Yes. And most importantly, make our workplaces safer yes. by getting into this proactive zone Um Guys, we're not a one-man show. There's tools out there now that can help us as safety professionals. I'm a big believer in software. Um, so I just thank you. We will link um, Lisa's contact information so you can get a hold of her. If you have any questions about this software, we're going to get a link to uh, the website itself so you can uh, look at the bells and whistles and the features and, and really understand what the heck are you talking about? Talking about software, make my life easier? What is this? So we will link Lisa's contact information. But thank you so much today for such uh, a easy breath refreshing conversation um you're you're phenomenal lisa thank you so much thank you and i think you're phenomenal as well i think what you're doing is amazing and you have a great platform and uh, i'll continue to listen as you know i've learned a ton already from from listening to your podcasts and really enjoy them always enjoy them so thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This conversation was so enlightening. Ah, you're so inspiring. So, <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. I can't wait to talk to you again, Lisa. I want to stay connected with you. And uh, everyone, you heard it. You heard it here. So thank you for listening. And we will tune, yeah, tune in next time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 